Untitled Beatles Podcast. Welcome to the Untitled Beatles Podcast. My name is Tony Mendoza. I'm TJ Shanoff. Hey, Tony. Hey, how's it going, man? Great. It's uh, We could just copy and paste this to the beginning of every episode. This is my favorite thing to do all week. Love my kid. I like pretending <laughs> like I'm trying to get work. Those are fun ways to spend the week. Uh, yeah. uh, edibles. There's a lot of fun ways to spend the week. This is my favorite way to spend the week. So I'm, I'm great. I'm happy to be here on a Friday afternoon. Holiday Friday. It's a yeah. holiday weekend right now. Yeah, we are taping this on the uh, July 4th weekend. And uh, yeah, so I see you. What are you drinking there? You have like a, a, a red colored beer, yellow. It was a sale case of beer at Mariano's. That was the cheapest case. It was uh-huh. a Sa- Sam Adams summer pack. Nice. I miss summer Mariano's. Pack. <laughs> yeah, Mar- Mar- Mariano's is great. The original Mariano's idea was way better than what it's become. Mariano's used to feel like if Whole Foods and Jewel had a baby yeah. and the Whole Foods part went out, now it's a bit more like Jewel. And I'm done with Jewel. <laughs> Won't do it. Take that, Albertson's family of stores. <laughs> what, did, what, did, what happened? What did Jewel do that? I just I just feel like most jewels or even the nice ones are kind of shitholes. Interesting. Yeah. Like jewels in the 70s and 80s were kind of shitholes because that's all grocery shopping was. But (laughs) now in the, you know, 2010s, 2020s, it just feels like you can step up your game a little more jewel. Yeah, man. Get get some bars in there. And uh, yeah. That's what I miss, actually. In L.A., they, they don't have the bar supermarket thing yet. I think at a Gelson's, they're trying to do it. but And then you're that's like Whole Foods prices over there. Look at you with your elitist L.A. grocery store references, Gelson's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where George Harrison shopped when he lived out here. And no, Well, that's our next episode. <laughs> uh, Harrison never lived in L.A., did he? I don't think so. It was Ringo and John. And did Paul ever have property in L.A.? Yeah, I think Paul did have a, I don't know about LA proper, but I think Paul had a home in Southern California. George was a Hawaii guy, which is another thing I always loved about him. That makes George sense. was in Maui, right? Or just off the whole the road to Hana. Is that, that right? That was kind of his big thing, yeah. Him and Buffy St. Marie. Yeah, George, Buffy St. Marie, Jimmy Buffett, a lot of the other buffs, Michael Buffer. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. Remember that idiot? They would trot him out for like like the 9-11 memorial. Here's Michael Buffer. What, what are you doing here? It's terrible. Okay, but let's let's get to the 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 Beatles in hand here. Oh yeah, the Beatles, that uh-huh. group that we talk about every week. <laughs> well, TJ, you told me, you alerted me that Ringo's birthday was coming up. Uh that's yeah. what is it? The 7th, right? July 7th. Yeah, peace and love, peace and love. Peace and love, man. So we thought we would yeah. do kind of a Ringo celebration episode. Happy 80th. Ringo Starr, 80 years old, looks legitimately 20 years younger than that. Performs 20 years younger than that, too. He's a a medical marvel, as is Paul. Yeah. But Paul's not turned 80 yet. Ringo, for an 80-year-old, he's one of the underrated things about Paul and Ringo as the surviving Beatles They've helped along with, uh, you know, Mick Jagger and a few others have helped redefine what it's like to be in your late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, it's man. amazing. Yeah, it gives you hope that you can still keep going um, as an artist. It helps that you're Ringo and you're in the biggest band in the world. But yeah, it, <laughs> you can keep going. 
Well, they, they both also cut drugs and drink out, Ringo and Paul did, which I'm not, it's a bridge too far for me right now, gentlemen, but yeah, it does say something. Yeah, I'm not ready to do that yet. Um, yeah, because I, I actually needed a couple editables to get through some of these Ringo records that I listened to. <laughs> Just a couple. <laughs> so w- we should talk about this because I'm not going to pretend I have, I think, all the solo Ringo albums. Certainly on vinyl. I've listened to them all at least once. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Stop and Smell the Roses and, and Bad Boy. But this was this exercise was your first true deep dive as yeah. a Beatles diehard yeah. into solo Ringo. Yes? Yeah, it's true, man. It's true. Like, I had, I had solo records from the other three. Um, I've always been more of a, into the group, the Beatles, uh, less of a solo guy. If anything, I really liked Lennon's solo stuff. And now I'm digging McCartney's and I can't wait to really explore George. But I had never owned a Ringo record uh, solo. You know, uh, I, I would always see him at Reckless and stuff, the, especially the Ringo album, the self-titled, mm-hmm. the, his third record. Um, so... I was pleasantly surprised. Um, he is a funny bird, man. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, like, it's hard to describe. Um, so uh, let's be honest. I, I truly enjoyed maybe about 10% of the solo Ringo stuff. Okay. Um, meaning like, oh, I want to hear that again. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean by I liked it. Other, But that doesn't mean I hated the 90%. In fact, the other 90%, I was kind of like, oh, that's this is actually fun. It's more pleasant. You know what I, like I didn't viscerally hate it. Like I did the last song on flowers in the dirt or whatever, you know, this, this, that song that made me like, what? Angry. You're, <laughs> you're anti motor of love. Very. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Paul, Paul, hold a sec. Let's overproduce this a bit more. I, mean, I, I, I think that that might be a, a Mitchell Froome and the producer at his worst, but yeah, yeah it's interesting. And just to give some context for people who are also not uh, have not done deep dives into Ringo's solo career. One of the things I always find fascinating is in the early half of the 1970s, Ringo was the most commercially successful of all the Beatles because all those songs from that Ringo album charted photograph and it don't come easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're all huge hits and the second album too. Uh, uh, not the second album, the, the, the fourth the, the, I dismiss Sentimental Journey and Biku of Blues. I've never pronounced it right. Bikoops of Blues. <laughs> yeah, he, I think that's what he he sings that in the title track. I think yeah, it's either Bikus or Bokus. I forget which. But you know, you look at the songs on the Ringo album that charted, Photograph charted. It Don't Come Easy was a single that was not on the album that they right. added to the reissue. It was on CD, but it's right from that same time. Oh My My, which is one of my favorites, charted. That first yeah. Ringo album produced by Richard Perry had contributions from George Harrison, uh, uh, John Lennon, Paul McCartney. Uh, it was like a veritable Beatles album. Yeah, in fact, on I'm the Greatest, it's George uh, Ringo and John are all playing on that. In addition to Billy Preston and their old pal Klaus Vorman playing the bass. So there's kind of a very Beatle thing there. Yeah. And that was the cool thing. That was the thing I noticed as I, yeah, I, I went through uh, his seventies records and his eighties records are hard to, you have to listen to them on YouTube if you don't own them. I actually looked into buying uh, old wave from 1983. Cause I kind of liked a couple of the songs on it. But if you go on Discogs or whatever, the cheapest you can find it for is like 40 bucks. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to. 
Well, I'm not going to well, do 40 bucks. Here's my reckless copy from the cheapest one I found from November of 19 of 2016 was 29.99 when I found it for under 40 bucks. <laughs> and this uh, we're we're jumping around. Is this 82 or 83? I'm forgetting what year. I think uh, it's 83. 83. Yeah. 83. Um this uh is weirdly produced by Joe Walsh, one of Ringo's best damn albums. And cool. it was only available, I'm pretty sure, in Canada and Germany. And yeah. no, there was no official stateside release of this until some subsidiary of EMI uh, called The Right Stuff reissued <laughs> it in 94 for yeah. uh, CD. It's a hard record. Like, sudden, then you get into the, like, the whole collector thing, you know, where to get this Ringo record. It, it's just so strange by 83 that like nobody wanted to put his music out and... And he's a beetle, you know what I mean? It's just crazy. Well, he had, by the early 80s, he'd had flop after flop after flop after yeah. flop. I mean, those late 70s albums, uh, Ringo the Fourth and... Uh, His disco record. Oh, God. They're all kind of, I mean, Bad Boy, which they reissued on vinyl about three years ago, and I bought it because I'm <laughs> stupid. And it's like, oh, well, the, the 180 gram remaster will breathe some life into Bad Boy. And it's still the same dog ass cover of Where Did Our Love Go? That sounds like the background singers recorded it in a totally different country, not knowing what it was for. Baby, baby. Oh, what, what record is this again? Like, you know, well, they were on Zoom. They had the, fer- the very first Zoom meeting. <laughs> 78 was the background vocals (laughs) right so what's cool about Ringo's solo records is that yeah like George Harrison contributes a lot of writing to it John Lennon Paul McCartney also Mm -hmm. things like Elton John uh wrote Snookaroo which is a new fun great song song. new new for me it's new this new fun song from 1971 I think you know? the, the the was that was the B side to the Hoyt Axton pen tune, the No No song. I believe which you're is, right. I think I think my favorite favorite Ringo solo <laughs> tune because it's just a it's all about hey man a, a, a woman that I know just came from Colombia smiled at me didn't understand then she had some marijuana a lady that I know just came from Mallorca Spain handed me a 10-pound bag of cocaine. I said, no, 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 no. I can't take it no more. It's just a great, like, I'm out. Tell me out. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's the quantity is what's <laughs> the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's a kooky song. Like, it's funny here. I will say this. Like, I, I feel like all some of your favorite songs have this kind of tropical vacation feel to them, you know? Like your favorite Paul song, uh, Listen to what the man said. Uh-huh. It has this kind of like rootin' tootin' <laughs> kind of vibe. Listen, dude, up. I'm a libertarian. I love Jimmy Buffett. I like trickle down <laughs> economics and dudes. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, it, I, I, I do like, yeah, because there's something about the solo party songs, you know, and John Lennon wrote, I mean, I'm the greatest is kind of a party song that John Lennon wrote for Ringo because he could never sing it himself. Another great fact that I don't know if you know or not, uh, John Lennon wrote Nobody Told Me, his posthumous hit from 84 for Ringo. Yeah. There's yeah. even a bootleg I've got of him doing a demo where he kicks off saying, this one's got to be for Ringo. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he handed it to him like, you know, I think it was a week or two before he was shot, you know? So it was going to be a Ringo song. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I, I, I actually have a chill as we're talking about it. That, that gave my body a chill. Talking yeah. About yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a, he's a fun dude. Like I, I, I actually enjoyed exploring that solo material more than I thought I would. Um, even like on those doggy records, like bad boy, there's this quality to these songs. Like, um, you don't know me at all. Or maybe that's on Ringo the fourth. I forget, but I wrote down like, it's no secret was a song I quite liked. And Mm -hmm. tonight from the bad boy record, I really liked that one a lot. Um, Not a cover of the standard from West side story for all you (laughs) Leonard Bernstein fans out there. (laughs) No, it has this like really safe. If if it sounds like it's like a sitcom rock and like Ringo (laughs) is in too close for comfort, you know, playing the part of Monroe. <laughs> Rico's long been the Jim J. Bullock of classic rock drumming. I think one could argue. <laughs> yeah, man. But it put me in this like fun place. It, it put me in like it, a nostalgic place. And it actually made me explore. I went on a whole soft rock kick based on Ringo's uh, stuff off Bad Boy with the. And you're calling me out for my Caribbean influence thing, and you're listening to Boz Skaggs and. Yeah, man. Doing the Lido Shuffle. (laughs) All that. Yeah, man. I did listen to Lido Shuffle last night after midnight. For real. (laughs) One more for the road. I don't know what that song's about. My maybe second or third favorite band of all time is Steely Dan, and I can't tell you what the fuck any of those lyrics are about. So yeah, those guys are dark dudes, man. Weird. <laughs> they were weird, dark dudes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know a, what they're singing about. There, there's a lot of that on these Ringo albums too, where you do get the. You're right. They they were produced pretty well by producers who I think were attempting, certainly in the late '70s, to try to capitalize on the Ringo by committee early record, the good night Vienna's the, the, the yeah. first, the Ringo album, right. Written by John Lennon. An- another great one. Um, and I, I, it was a constant quest to make Ringo sound like he was part of a whole. And I think some of the late seventies albums where they got a little off the wall, no, <laughs> no Michael Jackson reference <laughs> intended, is when it became so Ringo centered, I think it lost some of the some of the fun. It was almost like Ringo and some of the disco records was taking himself too seriously, and nobody wanted to hear that. But I love those synth flourishes on "It's No Secret." So <laughs> <laughs> deep, 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 deep. I, I I've seen that song title. I cannot tell you anything about that song. Oh, give it a spin, man! Can't You'll love it. it. You'll feel like you're working on a soap opera. You'll love it. <laughs> It's like a well, pillow for your head. <laughs> it's a good place for a pillow, by the way, for those who still yeah, yeah. find merit in debating this. Uh, well, pillows kind of, have become I, political, as you know. Oh, that fucking that, the, my my pillow guy. He, he, if, if Trump wins again, he's going to be the Secretary of Education. I mean, yeah, who is yeah. it with this guy? It's, <laughs> I, it's I just know, the man. dumbest mouth breather. Oh, watch, we're going to lose three of our listeners. Well, I'm. <laughs> I like the Beatles, but I'm a diehard Republican. First of all, you can't be both. Um, Different show. Let's kind of look at this, Tony, in three segments. As long as we're going to talk Ringo. Let's talk talk Beatle Ringo. Yes. Let's talk solo success Ringo. And then let's talk everything after Ringo. How about that? (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. I love it. So Beatle Ringo, and you and I have talked about this before, and you are a, I mean, you're a multi-instrumentalist, but would you say primarily you're a drummer? Is that fair? Yeah, drums were my first instrument, right? So, uh, and that all is because of Ringo, to be quite honest. Like the the summer, 
I got into the Beatles. Like, I think I mentioned this earlier on a podcast, but I took a, a, an industrial arts project from junior high, which was a, a duck on a, on a, that he pushed a wooden duck that I made. And I broke the, the long dowel rod into two dowel rods that were about drumstick sized. And I sat on my bed as a teenager and played along to I am the walrus on pillows on my bed as like Tom Toms. You know, I arranged the pillows like a drum kit. And yeah, I went from there, you know. So yeah, I am the walrus was the first song I quote unquote learned, you know, self-taught by listening on drums. Pillows. And that song in particular, his, the, we, I think we've had this conversation before, but his fills in that song are just so perfect, Ringo, because they're just like 0.001% behind the beat. It's very oh, tough yeah. to explain. I, I, I'm i a, mostly a piano player, but throughout high school, I played drums in my uh, school band and in jazz band and our wind ensemble. So I, I don't really play drums much anymore now, but for a large part of my life, I play drums almost as much as piano and Ringo's fills influenced me so much. And I actually found some of his drumming was vexing. Come together is not easy to nail. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a classic drummer thing to learn that. Yeah. There's like the, there's triplets going on. Yeah. It's a really, I can do it. It's, but it's, you know, it's, it, it doesn't come like naturally. It's, it don't come easy. It don't come it's right. Don't <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's like, yeah, he's a, he's an amazing writer as a drummer. Like also another great thing about him is, uh, and his drumming is that he never repeats a fill. Every fill yeah. is unique. That was one of his personal rules, you know? So that means he's got like 400 different drum fills, you know, out there. And it almost feels like there's 400 different drum fills in just the song Ticket to Ride alone. Ticket <laughs> to Ride and Rain, I feel like, are the two. Yeah. And I know they're both, I'm not I'm not stepping on a ledge making a hot take saying that, but I feel like those are, for people who are Ringo skeptical, I always point them to those two tracks. Most people know Ticket to Ride. It's one of the quote-unquote greatest hits. Rain yeah. is still, for whatever crazy reason, a Beatles deep track. So yeah. it's fun to hear people hear Rain for the first time or really get into it and really hear the work he's doing. It's That song's like driven by the drums as much as it is by Lennon. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and they slowed the, they slowed it down too, I believe. Like uh, it was recorded at a faster pace. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they slowed it down. So he's drumming fast. Yeah, he's, that's the busiest I've ever heard him drumming in the Beatles. Um, and then later... I mean, we, we'll get to it later, but I did hear, like, he played drums on the Ringo Rama record, I think. And his drumming is really good on that. came out in 2003. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, his drumming is real. Like it's, It feels like he kind of, like, woke up, you know, after a long stint of just kind of playing a Ringo beat. Like, he woke up and started doing fills again and rolls and, like, creative fills. I think that was a Mark Hudson-produced album. I think you're right who really tried to get Ringo and I, I'm mixed on the Mark Hudson era. We can get into this later, but Mark Hudson really tried to capture that kind of beatle sound a bit like a poor man's Jeff Lynn. And I felt <laughs> yeah. like it kind of half worked in half. It's like, I, I it, it's, it's too, 
it's like ELO at its worst, where it's just so stereotypical and so Beatle heavy that it those songs have a hard time breathing to me at times. They are pretty, yeah, they are pretty They're compressed. Dense. Yeah. Dense, yes. Well, I wrote down some of my favorite drum performances of his Beatle songs. I'd love to hear them. In no particular order. I think this is just as I was thinking of them. I love the drums he does on Good Morning, Good Morning mm-hmm. off Sergeant Pepper. Um Here's the thing, like we all know that song, we've heard it a thousand times, but can you imagine having never heard that song? And here comes Lennon with this verse that is, it has like 10 beats in it or something, you know? So that choice that he made to make that last beat of the phrase be a bass drum with a nice big cymbal crash, I just love that. It's then it, there's a comedy element to it too. It's almost like the rim shot to the end of these kind of non-joke lines that Lennon, you know, being bored about suburbia. I love that song. And his drumming on it's great, especially it's similar to I Am the Walrus at the end with all the fills as the animals. The sound effects. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got something to hide except me and my monkey. It's an exciting song. I know that's Paul mostly on the cowbell there. That it's it's one of the most exciting uh, rhythm songs the Beatles ever put together. That yeah. song is one of their best. I It's not my favorite Lennon composition. It's one of my favorite rhythmic tracks they ever made totally totally agree with you on that um the stuff he does on long 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 i'm doing a lot of white album here but mm-hmm. i was just actually playing with a guy named tim uh rutilli he's in a band called caliphone and we were recording a song for a friend and i was playing drums on it and he referenced long 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 as like do something like this you know instead of just like a standard beat like a one snare kick snare you know, long, long, long is like drumming from a songwriting perspective as opposed to just like, well, what's the beat and when do I put a cool fill in to get a, a moment of camera time, you know? The, the spacing of the fills in that song are so beautiful. Ringo plays to the space of that oral picture that George created. I love it. Totally, yeah, yeah. Uh, early stuff, She Loves You. Very exciting. Starts with the drums. Starts with the tom-toms. Um, it's just an exciting salsa with, like, Please Please Me, um, the stuff he does on that. I'll, there's an excitement going on there, but and the fills, the fills all help to bring the song up, especially on Please Please Me with the, the rolls into the crashes each time. Come on, come on, come on. Please Please Me. Like, it's a great build. He's a great drummer. Tom- ah, well, tomorrow never knows. I mean, that's forget- the first one I was going to mention, right? Yeah, yeah. That song is so exciting, and a lot of that has to do with the song itself, and also the way the drums were mic'd. Like for the first time, I think they put a microphone like into the bass drum. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. so you can hear that thing. But just to make that choice of that really—it's a weird drum beat, man. It's off. You know, meaning it's it's off kilter. It's it's not, it almost, it's not an Indian song, but it almost, the drums give it that almost Indian hypnotic rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't really even do any fills on that song. I think it's just that beat. Yeah. 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 It's just great. Yeah. Rain was mentioned that that's like the, the busiest I've ever, even on like Blue Jay Way, where he does his, we were talking about behind the beat earlier, and this is where. I like that a lot. Like when George says, please, you know, and Ringo's just that little bit behind the P and please. I fucking love it. I also love in, I want you. She's so heavy after the last time there's ever a vocal and it's just instrumental from there on out. 
the snare drum is just a little bit behind and it sounds like, Mm -hmm. yes, it sounds like a mistake, but I love it. (laughs) I love it. It's just, it's noticeably behind on that one snare hit. And I love it. Also behind the beat was, uh, when I get home, there's a moment. And when I get home off hard days night where, uh, it might be the third time they do the, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, the, there's one in there that's a little it's behind slow it's almost like he's re, he's retarding the song yes and george paul and john are still going full tempo and it's not a train wreck that's the beauty <laughs> of us it, it fits and by then they knew each other and played together so well that i know exactly the moment you're talking about yep and it and it works oh it totally works it's why actually people dog on that song but it's actually one of my favorites from that era because it I like those exciting songs. And to me, that makes it exciting. I love when I love in music, when the unexpected happens, you know, and that's unexpected. A machine wouldn't do that. You know, a human Mm -hmm. makes that choice to like, just like, we're going to, we're just going to jack this song around a little bit. (laughs) Dude. It's, I love that you said that it's that there's a great Ringo quote that maybe from the anthology where Ringo talks about Jeff Lynn wanting him to play with a click track for mm. free as a bird in real love. And Ringo in his words, he goes, I looked at Jeff. I said, Jeff, I am the fucking click track. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, he's, yeah, he's, I, and I guess that's what it is. Like he is just a, like a totally human drummer and he's a, a good, a, he seems like a good human. You know, I don't know him personally. I really don't know, but you know, I, I do see, you know, that he tried to clean his life up and his message these days for the last 20 years has basically been peace and love. Like, And along those lines, Tony, one of the things that, again, with all due respect to Charlie Watts and Keith Moon and uh, there's so many of the great drummer and John Bonham, Ringo was also a lead singer in the band. <laughs> yes. He times. had countless songs that were he singing lead. And in fact, you mentioned Please Please Me from the same album. One of my favorite performances of his, both vocally and drumming, is the cover of, the, I think it's the Shirelles, Boys. You like boys. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love the way he, I feel like he's just letting loose. That to me feels like a live in studio, which of course most of Please Please Me was, it was recorded in what, that 14 hours or whatever. But yeah. Right. I feel I feel like he's doing a rave up on the drums while he's doing this killer lead vocal. I, I, that, that's one of my favorite early Ringo songs. Oh, that's funny. I always yeah. felt bad for him that he had to sing about boys. I, I thought that was strange and it, and not like an anti I'm not not in a homophobic way, but you hear, boy, you know, you're just getting into like Catholic you- territory. <laughs> You were also a big Reagan guy so forever, you know, uh, yes. no, it's, it, I actually think it's one of the great things about the early Beatles. And when people talk about the sexuality of the stones as kind of the stones kind of nebulous sexual, uh, uh, kind of thing that they gave off the Beatles singing a song about boys <laughs> as one of their earliest songs I thought was cool as hell and firmly like, you know, a lot of quote, quote unquote boy bands don't do that. Oh, it killed me when people, well, the, you know, the early Beatles, they were just a boy band. F- go fuck yourself. They were not, they were not just a boy band. The covers were smart. The originals were smart. 
They had their own vision, their own direction that George Martin helped helm. But those early Beatles things were all the Beatles. Boy bands don't do that. The Beatles were produced by some schmuck in Orlando. <laughs> you know? Wait, the who? The Beatles were? The Beatles weren't produced by oh, some weren't. schmuck. They said they were. It's like, <laughs> George Martin with that Orlando accent. <laughs> George Martin played point guard for the Orlando Magic in their expansion year. Replaced by Scott Scouse. Um, no, it's uh, uh yeah, I I boys I always loved. And I thought it was cool that Ringo was singing about boys because it kind of showed that however you want to interpret it is fine. Yeah, that's no, it's it, I mean, yeah, I just always thought it was strange. I mean, because they changed devil in his heart to devil in her heart. I was always like, Well, why not? I guess you have to change the song to girls, and I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't come off. You're right, you're right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it was weird. <laughs> I, I I loved it. So that that's an early one that I always loved. Um, I another example you brought up when I get home. The example I'd give for the same kind of staggered, sometimes behind the beat rhythm is you can't do that. Yeah, which man. is another favorite early song Me that too. just has him. It's just there's moments where he's a hair behind the beat and it's perfect. Yeah, man. Yeah, I love I love that stuff. Um, also, like the stuff he does on Old Brown Shoe, which I think we just learned Paul was the drummer on the on like the basic tracks, and I think Ringo came in and overdubbed basically Paul's part, and they kind of like I think there's two drum parts going on there. Um, yeah, so Paul actually came up with that real skippy kind of. Like a polka beat. Yeah. But it was Ringo who did like, because Ringo, one of Ringo's signature moves, he does it on Revolution. He does it on a lot of songs. Is the snare and floor tom build like on the, and that's hard to do. That is hard to do. It's hard to do that. And he kind of is a master of that. So he does that on that song, which Paul didn't do. But what I love the most about the drumming on that song is on the fade out when he throws in those little, it's like a triplet of uh, snare of, of snare rolls into the crash. Like mm-hmm. dum, 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 when I first heard that, I, it was very exciting, and it's still exciting. You know, twenty, thirty years later, however old I am, <laughs> I still love it. How old are we, dude? That, <laughs> that whole era. We talked some early stuff. Um, you know, there's great drumming. The, the middle era, his drumming on Help, I thought is his drumming on help really elevates that track. Yeah. Um, and there's, we mentioned tomorrow. I never know is the kind of middle era Beatles. I think the best consistent Ringo drumming album, and this is what kills me about when they broke up. Some of this is gives credit to George Martin. I got to give him credit for this, but Abbey road to me, start to finish is a, and not just because of the, the solo and uh, in the medley, but right. his drumming start to finish is performed and mixed about as beautifully as I've ever heard Ringo drum. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. The drum sounds so huge on that record. Um, th- yeah. That they, they, they're finally mic'd well. It is funny though, the way the snare still sounds really thin. Like if you listen to some of the isolated stuff, like the snare sounds like it's like a piece of Kleenex sometimes. <laughs> um, it's a, it's really interesting, especially next to those giant toms, like on something, you know, like boom, 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 boom. And then the little snare, <laughs> it's wild. It, his intro to something, it's almost like it almost buttons. She loves you. 
Oh yeah, man. You know, there's almost that. an interesting kind of that kind of tumbling into it this time from a more stony kind of languid pace. Totally. It's just yeah, yeah. You're that, right. We I was listening went, went for a walk with my son yesterday. He loves "Here Comes the the Sun." We listen to a lot of Abbey Road around here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we 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 also listen to a, a, a fair amount of Venus and Mars <laughs> and Revolver and some and some plastic auto band. Um, but his, uh, oh, wow. his, we, we, All that screaming. My, my, my son is four. He's already heard working class hero. Oh, Wait, cool. That's his first exposure <laughs> to the F word is working class hero. That's um, good. That's a good one. That's good exposure. And, and me reading about Trump. He, he tends to hear the F word a lot of both those, but, um, yeah, there, 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 there just, there's just something about the way he plays and here comes the sun that lends an airy feel to the overall beauty. And, and again, that's orchestrated beautifully and it's played beautifully. Um, yeah. All but, those, those breaks are tricky. And I think you hear yeah. it on the new, um, them rehearsing that part on the new uh, reissue that came out last year. It's cool to watch them figure it out. Yeah. Do, what is your thought? We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this. What is your thought? You know, I love Paul. You love Paul. We love the whole yeah. thing. We, we need to apologize. We love the whole thing. Uh, Paul, not just dictating to Ringo what to play some of the times, but on what four or five tracks, just saying, nah, "Fuck it, I'm, I'll play it. I'll play the drums." Oh, what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm okay with that because it always serves the song. Paul came up with the "Ticket to Ride" drum beat, right? Mm-hmm. So that was a good idea, and Ringo made it his too. You know, like. Ringo saw what Paul was trying to do and Ringo like Ringo'd it, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love that he did Ringo it. <laughs> he Ringo'd Hashtag that. Ringo'd it. Know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I almost missed my exit, but I totally Ringo'd it. At the, <laughs> I just exited behind the beat. <laughs> I exited a little bit on the median. I yelled peace and love. <laughs> yelled at someone for sending me something to sign an autograph. Peace and love. That, that, that's my my wife's big joke is always what Ringo's always saying is peace and love, peace and love. Now go fuck yourself. You know, so it's like yeah. no more autographs. Yeah, we'll no more autographs. That video later. Peace and love. Beat it. But you know, can Ringo listen to the ballad of John and Yoko and enjoy that song? Um, sure. Why not? Right. Uh, it's you know Paul didn't do anything amazing on that. Yeah, I bet it would have been better with Ringo on there, but that was not what that was. That song was very specific to its time, right? That was right. that was Paul trying to keep John's interest in being a yeah. Beatle, you know. And so and and John was all about the now. Like if we waited for Ringo to get back from his honeymoon or whatever he was doing, he was somewhere else. And George, you know, yeah. um, that song probably wouldn't have, we wouldn't have that song. So. You know, I think out of necessity, Paul did what he had to do. It's about it's just about the music lads. That's why yeah, it's all like that's why it's a dictator, which I totally get. And that's another uh, a song John I don't think performed on. That's another one of my favorite Ringo drumming songs. Latest, I Me Mine. Yeah, what an underrated, beautiful gem. We talked about this in the Let It Be episode that kicked off our series. But yeah. it's Phil Spector had a massive improvement. By repeating the Brit, re-editing the the bridge into it to elongate the song, but Ringo's drumming in that is just incredible. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think. I oh, I love. I mean, I love that he played on Plastic Ono Band. His drumming on that is great. Um, yeah, he's just a great dude. I I mean, one of my favorite moments, obviously, is is at the end of Helter Skelter, 
you know, screaming, I got blisters on my fingers. I mean, the first time I ever heard that, it, I, it was like, it's just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, he is like, when you listen to it, like, he is pissed off, man. <laughs> uh, it's a guttural yell. Oh, I got blisters on my <laughs> Right. Yeah. And then the next take, I don't know. A lot of people don't know this. This is Beatle trivia. A lot of people don't know this. The next take they did at the end, he screamed, I've got chocolate in my peanut butter. <laughs> and that's where Reese's pieces came from. <laughs> and that's where Ringo made his money working for a major ad agency. <laughs> Ringo also played dramas on I'd like to buy the world a Coke. <laughs> Written by Barry Manilow. Yeah. Right. Or whatever. <laughs> Manilow wrote all those. He wrote like, I got band-aids stuck on me. He wrote the all state, uh, whenever you, anyway, this is the Manilow part of this. <laughs> Did Manilow write one, eight, seven, seven cars for kids. <laughs> or was that Hitler? <laughs> you know, Hitler sucked. I'm a Jew. I, I can admit that, but he wrote, really wrote, could write a jingle. See, see, you know, both people, good people on both sides. <laughs> it all comes back to it, right? Well, you know, there, there were good Nazis in Charlottesville. <laughs> yeah, they they wrote those great jingles. Uh, <laughs> oh God! So, Be- Beatles, Ringo. If if you're looking for some discussion for of you and I debating Ringo's merit, you're not going to find it here. I think no. it's fair to say we both value Ringo as an integral member of that band. And it would have been a very different band with Pete best and a very different band with insert any other drummer here from a technical standpoint, Andy from a personality, Andy white, the great Jimmy, uh, Nickel. Jim, Jimmy nickel, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it, it's a much different Roag best. It's a much different, um, <laughs> Uh, His contribution to the Beatles is not as obvious because he wasn't the songwriter. God bless you. Don't pass me by and what goes on. But his contribution as a drummer, as a personality and as someone unafraid to sing, people forget. Yeah. Octopus's Garden, Yellow Submarine. These are hits. But with little help from my friends is the second song on their arguably most popular album. And it's sung by Ringo in a way that, John, Paul, or George could not have put that song across the way Ringo did, where it's self-effacing and lovely at the same time. Yeah, and that's I think that's the great thing about about him is that, and maybe that's what I was trying to get to earlier when we were talking about the solo work and how, like, I was surprised that it didn't, like, upset me. Like, even when it was bad, <laughs> it was still kind of like, oh, well, it's Ringo, you know? And not that he's harmless, not that he's like a little, you know, the caricature of him is, you know, this boy and he's this yellow submarine. He's this troll, you know, hang dog guy, um, puppy or whatever. But like there is a yeah, like he's he's not going to piss. He's never going to piss me off. You know what I mean? (laughs) Whereas Paul in the past has pissed me off. Like, you know, (laughs) this is getting silly, but. But yeah, like there's there's stuff where I'll hear a song that that Paul did, or maybe even George, and actually John. Actually, some of the John solos, like some of that stuff on New York City, I'm like, okay, that's doesn't need to be this long, or like I, you know, like I won't listen to it, you know. Well, that's what's uh, Tony. Uh, this is a whole different topic, but John, by virtue of two things, the five year hiatus and the incredible tragedy of his assassination, I mean. 
losing George Harrison and George Harrison was, was ill obviously before nine 11, but what a lot of people don't often connect is George died three, four months after nine 11 yeah. and the hangover of that world chaos. George's death was a tragedy way too young. What yeah. a beautiful soul. John Lennon was murdered in front of his home. So yeah. there, there, there's a different level of holy shit with John, but John also, if if you're going to bash Paul McCartney's give Ireland back to the Irish, <laughs> you probably should bash John Lennon's if you had the luck of the Irish in the same breath. I think that yeah. John has escaped some of the – John's legacy has escaped some of the criticism by virtue of the way he left this earth. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm really saying it should be duly noted that some of the – all four Beatles recorded bullshit as solo artists – it feels like Beatle lovers are are more reticent to criticize John's because he had the least amount of solo material and he died in the most tragic way. Yeah, yeah. And if you recall, wasn't George George was stabbed in his own home, right? Just a, a year or two before he died. Yeah, his no. his well, Olivia had literally fought off the attacker, and there, there's this t- terrible story that I guess. George, as he was being stabbed, started reciting a mantra, and oh. and it drove the attacker to get even angrier because he felt like George was speaking in tongues. And as George is trying to speak this mantra, uh, he was getting stabbed even harder. Oh, and God. and it took Olivia Harrison to bang him, bang the st- the attacker over the head with a lamp to save George Harrison's life. That's that's insane. Yeah. And then Paul was mugged when they were recording Band on the Run, I believe. They stole um, all the tapes. Yeah. I think, right? Yeah. So Which is also like- the plot to give my regards to Broad Street. <laughs> so that's the, the double negative of Paul getting mugged. <laughs> yeah, it spawned a terrible movie. <laughs> but you'll notice that we don't I don't we don't have any stories about Ringo being attacked. So maybe there's something to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? People are like, ah. Leave Ringo alone. Right. And but that's just the thing. He was he was always the joke. And but but in a beautiful way. One of the things about the movie, again, before I move on from the Beatles stuff, Ringo in a hard day's night. Ringo was the star of help, quote unquote. Yeah. But help was just disjointed enough that Ringo, they were all four were the stars in A Hard Day's Night, but Ringo's character track in that, the scene where he's taking uh, pictures and his camera falls into, yeah. into the, the, the river. You know, there's uh, that whole thing is this boy's playing. I love that this boy was called this boy, parentheses, Ringo's, Ringo's theme. theme. I've always loved. <laughs> but it was, you know, they were all great that movie. But if somebody were to say to me, whose movie is A Hard Day's Night? I'd say it's Ringo's. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite moments is during the Can't Buy Me Love sequence with the jumping. They show the oh. others jumping, 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 and then cut to Ringo and he's got that tiny little hop. That he's <laughs> and it's a wide angle. It's perfect. But with, with all the performance, uh, the, with all the performative energy of someone doing a full jump, that's what's so funny yeah. is his facial expression. He's got some of the great, the great lines. Are you a mod or a rocker? I'm a mocha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just so I, uh, Beetle Ringo, I have been defending for as long as I can remember. And the people who are like, yeah, but you know, he wasn't all that great. No, you don't know what you're talking you're about. You're not listening. Not only, yeah. You're not listening. And not only was Ringo a great drummer, he was ideal and great for that band. 
Totally. Totally. Yeah. As we move on to the solo career, I'm holding up an album you can't see. We record on Zoom, but we can't show the video because neither of us wear pants. <laughs> I, 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 hashtag free dong in it. You know what I mean? I'm part of the free dong movement. I want a free dongs everywhere, especially my own. Uh, I'm holding up an album called Blast From Your Past. That was a Ringo Starr Greatest Hits album. Came out in 75. This is the first Ringo album I ever owned. And every song on it is great. You can't quibble. You're 16, which, of course, you can't do now. It was certainly rapey even back then. But it wasn't – I don't think it was intended to be rapey. You're 16. You come out of a dream. You're peaches and cream. Yeah, so yeah. Like, be cool. But I also – context matters. I don't think it was intended to be a rapey song. No, no song. It don't come easy. Photograph. Back off. Boogaloo. Um, which was, George Harrison produced. a goofy produced. song. Yeah, I love that one. It's 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 a goofy song with that. Mil- the drums are great on it. I think it's about Paul. Wake up, no. meathead! Don't pretend that you were dead. No, no, no. That well, he denies that. That song is about Mark Bolin from T Rex. I I like right. yes, because he would say right. he would call everybody a a, a boogaloo or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which that, that makes yeah. no sense to me, but <laughs> uh, so side two, oh, the cover of Only You, uh, uh, B Coops of Blues, Oh My My, which I love, early 1970, which is oh, yeah. one of all, all the Beatles wrote songs about their life in the Beatles, and early 1970 is just about, and when they come to town, I, I, want, I want them to play with me, and the album ends with I'm the Greatest. It is a short, concise, Beautiful overview of Ringo's early solo career as a hit maker. But it doesn't have, it's no secret uh, from, <laughs> I forget which one, Ringo the Fourth on it. Nor does it have In My Car from Old Wave. Hold on. Oh, yeah. so I have, I wrote that song down because I did. So here, I have a question for you, TJ. Yeah. Did they play that song on the radio in Chicago? Like, I feel like I had heard, I listened to it the other night. I feel like I'd heard that song, like, on my way to, like, a Chicago Sting game or something. <laughs> <laughs> At indoors. the Rosemont Horizon, not the Allstate Arena. We go no, back. I went to the indoor ones. Yeah, we went to the indoor uh, games. <laughs> I don't know if that was a single or not. I liked it. I, it was. It sounded so familiar, and it took me back. And I was like, where did I hear this before? You know, if, especially if it was only on Canadian <laughs> The, the first time I heard that song, and you'll, you're you're obviously a music nerd like I am. Yeah. Back in the day, now now Rhino Records is like a subsidiary of the Warner Music Group. Back in the day, Rhino Records was a scattershot independent label that was re- reissuing all the Richie Valens stuff that had yeah. fallen out of out of print and all that. Yeah. Eighty nine, there were saviors. In eighty nine, <laughs> Rhino issued this album called Starstruck. Best of Ringo Starr, Volume 2. He has, has lightning coming out of both his ears. Because you can't fight lightning. That's <laughs> what it is. And every song on here comes from the post-EMI hit era from Ooh. what from Stop and Smell the Roses through. It's the first time anything from Old Wave was, was issued in the States. This is 89 at this point. Oh, see, this is what I need to get. I need to this, get this one. This is a great one. It's not streaming anywhere. I don't think it's been in print since the early 90s. Yeah, the 80s stuff is not streaming. You can't mm-hmm. you can't hear it uh, unless it's YouTube or whatever. So, But, but then the, it's listening to it on YouTube. Which I, I oh. still, I, I care enough about Fidelity where listening to stuff on YouTube drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. me too. 
But this is worth seeking out. Starstruck, best of volume two. And at the time, I think like maybe one or two, maybe Rack My Brain is the only song that kind of charted that's on here. But Rhino was looking to sell product, right? So they took songs from a former Beatle in the late 80s when Paul had the, the big comeback. Yeah. And two years after George's comeback. And it's a real tight, great album. Great song. Uh, in, so In My Car is on this. And that's the first time I heard it was on this record. Yeah, I, I liked that song. Um, I actually liked, I liked his country record. So his second record ever is Bokus, Bikus, Blues, however, whatever it is. But it was it was recorded in Nashville and in record time in like three or four days. And it was with the same like session cats, cats that um, these cats, baby, <laughs> you just became Paul Schaefer. Yeah, I did. I did. Well, uh-huh. I'm in the I'm in the industry. So I say uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the I mean, I don't want to brag. I'm in the hashtag industry. I'm, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm hashtag on set right now. So um, <laughs> no, but so <laughs> what was I even saying? Um, oh, that country record. Uh, so it's. It's the same uh, Nashville players that played on these Elvis records from that same era, which to me, some of my favorite Elvis work is his Nashville work from 1970 to 71. And uh, so it sounds like an Elvis record minus the Felton Jarvis orchestration and minus Elvis, you know, <laughs> so it sounds like an Elvis record with There's Ringo <laughs> kind of like doing his Ringo thing over it. <laughs> but I love it. Like uh, there's a song by Elvis called It's Your Baby, You Rock It. <laughs> <laughs> is that in parentheses <laughs> i forget I, there's either a comma there's something to separate it but um <laughs> it's like if you listen listen to elvis it's your baby you rock it and it's like oh that's the same guys that made this whole ringo record it sounds like that well that and sentimental journey which i think came just before that i forget which one came first sentimental journey came first during right. the beatles the beatles were happening when the record came out Right. And that was, he recorded that one, I think for his mom Yes, to be kind of a bunch of uh, just standards. And it's, it's not, it's one that I I will never seek out. (laughs) Right. It's very sleepy. It's nice. It's a, it's a little sleepy. Um, Yeah. yeah, And then of course came the Ringo album in 73, where he just had that whole run. Yeah. That's a good one. If you're going to get one, I would get that one. Um, and then Goodnight Vienna, which tried to copy that same form. And you could tell some of the luster was wearing off a bit. But so uh, uh, after Ringo fulfilled his, his capital obligation, his EMI obligations, that's when he began this great label chase when he was on Portrait and Boardwalk and these kind of offshooty, obscure, I think Atlantic was the biggest label he was on after yeah, that. For a minute, though, like they yeah. they. They, he would sign these contracts and then like something would always go wrong and he'd be looking for another contract after that. Yeah. His after, I, after the bad boy record, it seemed to just kind of, he was a little bit homeless. You couldn't bank on him just to, to move product anymore. Yeah. And, and in fairness, I know you, you have done a more of a deep dive and prep for the show than I have on the late 70s stuff. I've heard it all before. Uh, I uh, it's <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think ago. I think a lot of it's Drek. I mean, it's <laughs> a, a lot of it sounds like Ringo's checked out. A lot of it sounds like he just come back from a bender with with Harry Nielsen and Keith Moon and Keith. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Malibu Misery. <laughs> that's that's actually my favorite Harry Nielsen album. <laughs> Malibu Misery. Uh, we talked about Old Wave in '83. 
one of my favorite Ringo albums came out in oh, 89. I want to get this right. Was it 89 or 90? And it's an album. Oh, that's 92 uh, on that one. I lied to you. 92. I apologize. 92. Time Takes Time. That had, it kicks off with, I believe is my, maybe after No No song. I take it back. I'm going to call Oh My 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 number one favorite solo ring. It's just a fun piano song to play. Um, and then No No song, but Way to the World, which kicked off this album. No, that's good. That made my cut. It's a, yeah, it's a great, great song. And unfortunately, because nobody was really listening to Ringo in 92, it didn't chart. It didn't move any 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 records or CD singles or cuss singles. But it's a <laughs> great song. It is. I agree. Yeah. Now, this this that song is, in particular does sound to me like it has like a Jeff Lynne, ELO, 90s ELO style production. With that kind of uh, almost that birds kind of oh, yeah. guitar thing. Yeah, there's a lot of Ricky has, going on. Yes, and uh, it it kind of echoes uh, photograph a bit. The guitar figure at the beginning is is reminiscent of photograph in its own way, but um, yeah, it just it, it's proof that Ringo was still making good music. He, he was newly sober when he was putting his mind to stuff. Remember that gross era where like Ringo and Clapton and everyone were all just making booze commercials. <laughs> That's right. That's no. right. I totally forgot. I used to have that I got at a record show of like a VHS of Beatles, you know, it was two hours, just chock full of Beatles. So it was a lot of their promo clips and this and that, but also on it was a lot of solo stuff, such as like the promo clips for don't come easy back off Boogaloo. But in the middle of it, I totally forgot. There was a Japanese beer commercial that Ringo was in. It was like Godzilla. And then Ringo comes (laughs) by and gives it a beer or whatever and saves the day. It was totally (laughs) fucked up. And I totally forgot about that till, till you said beer commercial. I totally. Yeah. Well, it was that. And it was, he did the wine coolers, I think for a while. Ringo was doing wine cooler. Like the Seagram stuff, Bartles and James and all that. Bartles, James and Ringo. (laughs) Can you imagine Ringo just sitting on the porch with those two old dudes? Those guys are still alive and they're wearing MAGA hats, by the way. Bartles and fucking James. Crosby, Star. <laughs> Crosby, Star, Bartles, and Hutch. <laughs> Crosby, Star, and Steve Nash. Um, yeah, but that was also that era. Where, and I, I can, I don't want to waste time with this now, but like, I, I've got a weird Eric Clapton thing. I'm one of the few, like, uh, classic rock fans who's unashamed to admit that he loves like 70s era Clapton. I just do. But when Clapton did that slow down after midnight to sell Michelob light was like, Hey, this is what's wrong with the eighties between yeah. cocaine, greed, Reagan, ignoring AIDS and Clapton doing a slow after midnight. No, 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 no. Yeah, man. I mean, when you say that, it just, it takes me back to watching the Letterman show when I was discovering it as a kid and they'd play those, uh, those beer ads, you know, yeah. at, at 1130 or whatever. Yeah. So I, I kind of have a strange softness for that. Cause it, I just remember the commercials, especially also, I think the Phil Collins had the Michelob commercials or whatever oh. was going on with that. Phil, there is no quote unquote classic rocker who's done more to destroy music than Phil Collins. Those are some of the worst and loudest solos ever on record. Somebody, somebody give him a note. <laughs> Are you talking about drum solos? Yes. 
You know the Phil Collins drum solo, do 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 goom 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 is in every one. Yeah. I I I will say I do like I don't like Phil Collins. I do like that song. I like the production on that damn song. I hate to say it, even with all the flange or whatever the hell's going on on the phaser effect on the Tom Tom, whatever it is. Like, also Bonham did that in the seventies, but like it's not a phaser. Yeah. It's something there's something going on with that drum effect. But I actually kind of like it. But no, I I don't listen to it on purpose. Yeah, nor do I imagine you pulling out the Phil Collins No No Jacket Required album. I don't. Mm. I can't imagine you ever. No, doing that. no, I didn't have that one. Just now we were talking about nostalgia, and that's that was something I noticed in a lot of his solo work. Is he has a lot of nostalgia? Like, a it begins with Sentimental Journey, all those covers, you know. Um, but even things like like Liverpool Eight, um, you know, he, he does a lot of talking about the old days and. Um, it does seem like, and I read a recent quote of him recently where he's like, I'm not writing an autobiography because anyone, everyone just wants to hear about, you know, those eight years with the Beatles and nothing else. So instead of that, I'm doing it through these songs here and there and you really see it. Yeah. There's, there's this, there's like, there is a sad I know I'm saying this was the caricature, but there is a sad kind of hangdog quality about, about Ringo and kind of missing, missing the, those fab days, you know, and, that and constantly chasing that dragon that all the other Beatles were able to chase with much more success. Yeah. As a, as, as a leader, cause they all had more experience, you know, up front, you know, behind, a, behind microphones, you know, it's hard drumming and singing in the back up on a riser. Well, and that takes us to maybe the final chapter of Ringo's, you know, career right now. And God bless the soul, you know, uh, all the albums, Vertical Man and What's My Name and Liverpool, A, all the, all the albums kind of run together in my mind. They're all ones like. I, I've, you know, put on and listened to and gone, that's nice, that's fine. And then eventually you kind of go, Okay, I, I don't need to do this again. But where Ringo's really kept things going is on the road since this was 89. I'm finally going to yeah. say 89 and get the damn year right <laughs> when he had the first iteration of the All-Star Band. And that All-Star Band, which I didn't see, was Joe Walsh and Clarence Clemens right. and, Dr., and Dr. John and right. LeVon Helm. There was kind of a last yeah, waltzy a, mm-hmm. component. Yes, there was, yeah. And uh, Nils Lofgren on guitar. I mean, just a, and some great stuff. And then the second iteration, they brought in Todd Rundgren and uh, Todd is God. Was it Todd is God? Uh, not J- Jim Edmonds was a cardinal. Uh, D- oh, Dave D- Edmonds. Dave, D- Dave Edmonds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave Edmonds um, from Rock. I forget rock what pile. It is. Rock pile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Uh, <laughs> and then it just started. I started seeing him just after that. I think the first time I saw the all-star band, which I've seen several times now was in 95 with uh, uh, the, the guy who sang taking care of business from BTO. I oh, right. Name. Bachman, um, one of the Randy Bachman, maybe, or it's either Bachman Turner or, 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 or Bob overdrive. <laughs> That's right. Bob overdrive never got the love. He was a bit like, he's the Graham Nash of Bachman Turner overdrive. <laughs> But th- that band had um, uh, Billy Preston was in that band. They did That's nothing cool. from nothing in that. Oh, I love that song. Yeah. But after a while, the Ringo All Star Band stuff started. It's 
it's two things, Tony. Have you seen them? Have you seen Ringo no. with the randos? No, I no, I I haven't. I haven't. I, I know John Entwistle played with him at one point. Uh, I saw that that's the same one because I saw him do Boris the Spider. Oh, that's cool. That's fun. Which was incredible. I uh, got to see Entwistle at the Cubby Bear, by the way, which was anyway, that's another time, but that was amazing. Was he there just having a drink or was he performing? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was just in town. He wanted to catch a few innings of the, so, the Sluggers was busy. It was yeah. packed. Yeah, he couldn't do the batting cages, so he came over to come. Couldn't get into I.O., which is a shame because <laughs> Beer Shark Mice was performing. It was just a big night. Yeah, people of Earth were playing. It was a hot night, but uh, Entwistle couldn't get in. <laughs> <laughs> no, he played He played with his band, but uh, and I loved it. And it was like, I went alone, and yeah, I had a great time. He was like fucking 15 feet away from me. Like, you know, it was, I was like, that's John Entwistle. <laughs> You know, I love I love I love shows like that. Anyway, I didn't mean to derail it, but you saw you were talking about the All Star Band. Yeah, and it, so it just started to get stranger and stranger. Where in '01, in fact, just before how many times are you gonna bring 9/11 on the show? But just before <laughs> 9/11, I saw him at the Rosemont Theater, and it was like one of the strangest. It's the Roger Hodgson from Super Tramp and okay. Howard Jones. Right, right, Howard Jones. Sheila E on drums. Right, right. And and Greg Lake from Emerson Lake and Palmer. <laughs> and and Ian Hunter from uh from Mike Mahoople. Right. And it's the just the strangest. So you've got like the order of the songs. You've got like photograph, it don't come easy, lucky man, she wants to live the glamorous life. <laughs> you know, like it's just like the uh, was this also when the, things the, will only get better. The men at work guy was in it too, because there's a there was a time where he, I went, I listened to a couple of them and yeah, they, they do down under and who can it be now? And it, and like, Oh, this sounds like men at work. It, <laughs> it totally does. Only men at work with <laughs> Sheila E on drums and Roger Hodson from super trap playing piano. And it just, it just so incongruous. He's the latest band, which I saw in Chicago a couple of years ago has been largely the same for about five years. He brought Todd Rundgren back, but it's the guy from Toto, Okay. Uh, Steve Lukather. I'm going to get his name wrong. This is, if you've heard this show, we don't know names and I'm going to blame it on the weed and I make no apologies for it. If you're important enough, I'll figure your name out. Right, Jim? Steve Lucifer. (laughs) Devil went down to Georgia. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, so you can still see Ringo, but it's so strange because now you get, Octopus's Garden into Africa into the guy from Mr. <laughs> Mr. Singing Broken Wings into Roseanne. It just like into Todd Rundgren doing I Saw the Light. So it's just it, like it, turning the radio on in 1984 or whatever. Even more than that, Ringo's <laughs> tours. You remember in the mid 2000s when they came up with Jack FM to compete with iPods? Like, oh, well, our radio stations like your iPod on shuffle. Here's Nora Jones followed by Michael Jackson. Like, yeah. I don't want to hear this. Yeah. We're Jack FM. Fuck you. <laughs> we play what we want. Why do I want to listen? <laughs> Well, I, I, I could, what, what am I doing with this? It was a transitional time <laughs> and if some meatheads were trying to steer it. It didn't work. Uh-huh. And thanks to them, radio is barely hanging on, but so yeah. you can still, as Ringo turns 80, Tony, you can, I mean, the shows are obviously canceled right now because of the, the, the chaos the world is in, but 
in theory, you can still see Ringo perform. And that in itself, I, I think we take for granted, and we've talked about this before, the people who say, ah, oh, Mick and Keith got to hang it up. Oh, Paul's really got to, you know, he can't hit the high notes and maybe I'm amazed. Oh, what's Ringo still doing? You know, uh, rock used to be a young person's medium. And to an extent, some of the best rock still is made by young people figuring shit out. But if Ringo Starr wants to play, I don't care if it's with if it's with Sheila E or uh, <laughs> the Mister Mister guy. And Sheila E's great. I'm not bagging on Sheila E. I'm bagging on the how incongruous it is to hear act naturally into you know uh, the glamorous life. It's just weird. Um, yeah, but yeah. Sheila E obviously a phenomenal drummer and and played with Prince forever. Um, but if Ringo wants to play, great. He's alive. Wonderful. Let it's him a play. Yeah, like. Yeah, you also don't have to listen to it if you're, you know, yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm glad they're still playing. I love it. Like, I, I know we've mentioned this before, but I saw Paul McCartney last year at Dodger Stadium and Ringo got to play. He played Sgt. Pepper Reprise and he did Helter Skelter. And I never thought I'd ever see Ringo and Paul play Helter Skelter. So, fucking A. That mu- it must have been magic. It must have been absolutely magical. It really was. It w- It really was. And I had, you know, nosebleed seats. It's also Dodger Stadium. They're, t- you know, you're watching the screen half the time. But still, when Ringo was there, like the whole place just erupted. And we were, me and my wife, were both like, what? <laughs> and yeah. And her favorite Beatles song is Helter Skelter. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. Yeah. Mono or stereo. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a stereo because you need the you need the return and the screen. Right. <laughs> Well, and that's that was going to be our topic this week. We'll get into that in the next few weeks. Is kind of the mono versus stereo stuff. So that's that's a little that's a little teaser. Yeah, but yeah. You know, Ringo and Ringo's played with Paul. Ringo plays drums on a bunch of McCartney's Tug of War. Yeah, and yep. on Pipes of Peace on the Broad Street soundtrack. There was that early '80s thing where Ringo was still playing with with Paul, which I yeah. think is cool as hell. F- yeah. Flaming Pie, which is about to be reissued, which is a great solo McCartney album. Um, from the from '97 has ring has Ringo all over it, including singing. Yeah. So I, right. I, I do think it's cool that Paul still shows the value of of what what a great drummer and bandmate Ringo Starr was and continues to be. Yeah, uh, he's Ringo, man. He's Ringo. Like his name's more original than Elvis. Yes. <laughs> no question. Hey, I don't know uh, any look, other Ringos. No, a, a bunch a bunch of dogs are named Ringo. Right. I mean, isn't that like, (laughs) I wanted to leave, I wanted to at least like leave you with this. Like the last time my wife and I did a pre COVID just like, Oh, let's get out of, let's get out of the town and take a little day trip. We went to Santa Barbara and on the Santa Barbara pier, I heard someone playing photograph, you know? And I think I just forgotten about that song, but, uh, I loved it. It's a middle-aged man who heard it as a child or whatever and didn't, I never put it on mixed. I never put that song on mixtapes or anything like that song didn't really play an active role in my life other than it was on the radio and I liked it. But hearing it in that context, it was a beautiful, sunny, crisp day. We were by the ocean. The ocean was blue as um, blue Jay way. I don't know. It was, it was very blue. Was there a fog upon LA? <laughs> no, there was not. It was, it was a lovely, a lovely day, but that song just, it put me in a really, it put me in a fun vacation, like place. My spirit was, uh, 
was better for hearing that song in that context. And when Ringo sang that at the tribute to George in 02, that again, Clapton organized, Ringo's intro to that was, this is a song I wrote with George and now the meaning has changed. And that yeah. George's death gave it an extra level of emotion too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it plays into that nostalgia thing is again too, like, yeah, he's, he's, He's thankful for these times and, and, but you know, with the true ring Ringo, you know, slouch, like it's also, there's a tinge of sadness about it, you know, that those times are in the past. And in one of his songs from one of the Mark Hudson albums, I'm forgetting might be vertical man. He has a tribute to George called never without you. Yeah. I forget, yeah. I forget which album, which is a beautiful song about George until he gets to the line. Here comes the sun was about you. That's what I'm like. <laughs> Ringo, one more draft. One more draft. Well, originally that song was also supposed to be about John and Harry Nilsson too, who had, <laughs> for real, for real. Was it but, really? Yeah, yeah. He I was, thought you were doing a bit. I had no idea. No, he was trying to do do it do it all, and he was like, "Ah, it's too messy," so he made it just about George. Um, that's a good record. I, I know we're wrapping it up, but I I did want to say that I feel like off the Vertical Man record, there's a song called "Without Understanding." Mm-hmm. That song is fucking bonkers. <laughs> Go listen to Offhand, that. Offhand, I don't. I will. Offhand, I do not remember that one. <laughs> it, I, I, I wrote down that it, it sounds like rock opera written by a machine that is Ringo, like as Hal. <laughs> so. You know, go go Spotify that one. Ringo Starr without understanding. <laughs> is La Di Da on that album? Yeah, which yeah, which I liked. I liked that song. But what's funny about it is that it's it doesn't need to be like they're I think they were trying to do a hey Jude to it at the end. They're just trying to really <laughs> la di da and like make it an anthem. And it's like, ah, it could have been a minute shorter. Yeah, especially how many times you have to hear a reference to like case like Doris Day said, <laughs> Kesara. Like yeah. hey man, that was 70 years ago. <laughs> It was 70 years ago today. Today. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, this was, I, I love talking any Beatles stuff with you, but I'm really glad we talked Ringo stuff. We're recording this before, just for his 80th birthday. There's going to be a huge, by the time this is published, this is coming, this will have come and gone. But on the 7th of July, uh, they're doing a tribute show for Ringo on YouTube that Paul McCartney is starring in, in honor of Ringo's birthday. That's, I think, uh, so if the show's over by the time you've heard this, but make sure you look for it on YouTube. It's uh, Ringo, Ben Harper, who, lo- they're super tight. Ben Harper's produced nice. a couple live Ringo albums. He's going to be on it. Cheryl Crow, just a bunch of really, really good people, including Paul honoring Ringo's 80th birthday with peace and love. That'll be cool, man. Cool. Well, next yeah, week, uh, next week is Andy White's birthday. So we're going to do an Andy, all Andy White, uh, love me do. How about an hour on single or album version? <laughs> the Ringo version does blow it away too. I don't need tambourine and love me do anyway. Oh, see, so, yeah, we actually disagree on this one. I prefer the Andy White. Version. Oh yeah. <laughs> because of the tambo and also cause Andy White hits the crash symbol. Uh, and Ringo hits the ride. So I got to go with the crash. But I think the ride's a stylistic choice, and Ringo made up for it in Don't Let Me Down when John said, give me the confidence to come in hot on this. Give me that huge cymbal crash. 
Nice. And the bootleg versions that don't let me down, I prefer to the official, officially released one because Ringo does play the, the Crash with more. He plays the Crash with more panache. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's my drumming book um but it, it was great and uh, uh seek out solar ringo if you don't know it blast from your past is a great place to start you know if you can find old wave check that out too yeah good luck there's, with that uh, there there's way more good solo ringo than he gets credit for and i'm glad we get to delve into that today tony it was awesome I did too. All right, TJ, take care, man. We will. Uh, this is the Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm Tony Mendoza. La di da, like Kesarasara. I'm, I'm TJ Shanoff. <laughs> Don't carry the weight, the weight of the world. Peace and love. No more autographs. Stop sending me shit. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> but do it with peace and love. Peace and love. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe.